Welcome to Drug Discovery News Talk Science, a podcast where we discuss the latest news in preclinical and translational research. Behind every medical and scientific advancement lies a harrowing story of mystery and discovery. Come with us as we share these stories and connect you to the scientific minds behind them. For the Drug Discovery News Custom Content Team, I'm Tiffany Garbutt. Lurking among cell culture facilities across academia and the biopharmaceutical industry is an invisible threat. Microscopic organisms no more than 2 to 3 micrometers in length and approximately 25 times smaller than a speck of dust floating in the air or hiding behind your couch may creep into cell culture dishes, infiltrate cells, and propagate, causing lasting cellular effects and dangerous consequences for biopharmaceuticals. In this episode, we discuss mycoplasma, a bacterial pestilence that experts estimate infects approximately 30% of cell lines across the globe. This podcast episode is sponsored by BioRad. BioRad is a global leader in developing, manufacturing, and marketing a broad range of innovative products for the life science research and clinical diagnostic markets. With a focus on quality and customer service for over 65 years, BioRad products advance the discovery process and improve healthcare. Now, let's talk science. Mycoplasma refers to a genus of gram-negative bacteria. Like most gram-negative bacteria, mycoplasmas are resistant to beta-lactam-based antibiotics, a common class of antibiotics used to promote sterile cell culture conditions. Their small size allows them to seep through most cell culture filters, and their lack of cell walls make them virtually undetectable by standard light microscopy. In fact, unlike yeast contamination, which can make cell culture media appear cloudy, Mycoplasmas may occur in numbers of up to 107 cells per milliliter of media without ever affecting the appearance of the cell culture. Tomas Nicola, a project manager at BioVian, a contract development and manufacturing organization, CDMO, takes pride in running a clean shop. Teams of researchers at these types of organizations work closely with researchers in the biopharmaceutical industry to bring new therapeutics to fruition. They assist researchers throughout drug development, from testing through manufacturing. Although Nicola and his team have never had to battle mycoplasma, they guard fiercely against it. You can think of them as the guardians of cell culture conditions. Mycoplasmas are quite nasty. Typical sources for mycoplasma contamination are operators or raw starting materials. That's why all the incoming materials we take into our production facilities must be free of mycoplasma. All the cell culture media and all the reagents that we use and all the cell lines from customers or from commercial sources we test against mycoplasmas. Mycoplasmas are everywhere. They exist not only in animal-derived cell culture media, but also on the clothing of personnel or in water droplets from their breath. Mycoplasmas typically cause mild respiratory infections in humans, but in recent years have begun to pose an increasing threat to human health. One mycoplasma species, Mycoplasma pneumoniae, causes approximately 2 million cases of bacterial pneumonia and 100,000 hospitalizations in the United States each year. With the advent of biopharmaceuticals, therapeutic products that are made using living cells, mycoplasmas may have an alternative path to infection. For example, gene therapies rely on adeno-associated viral vectors to deliver modified gene products to cells. These vectors must be grown in cells and propagated in cell culture, 
making them prone to common cell culture contaminants, including mycoplasmas. If mycoplasmas persist undetected in these cultures, they may also contaminate gene therapy products, causing potentially devastating side effects once delivered to patients. Experts estimate that 30% of cell culture samples across the globe contain mycoplasmas. Undetected mycoplasma organisms may even influence the outcomes of basic scientific research, potentially altering important scientific conclusions. Mycoplasmas impact cell proliferation. They alter the metabolism of the cell. They impact growth rate. They also cause chromosomal aberrations in the cells. That may lead to biased results in research. Many of the published results might be altered or biased as a consequence of mycoplasmas. If you get the contamination, it's going to be really costly. You have to discard all the contaminated material, do an extensive cleaning, and then restart again with fresh materials cleaned from mycoplasmas. In biopharmaceutical industry, it is even more crucial as those contaminations may lead to patient illness or even death. It is also a reputation. It's something that in pharmaceutical industry is taken really, really seriously. So how can scientists detect this almost invisible pestilence in their samples? Scientists typically test for mycoplasmas by monitoring for bacterial colony growth in cell culture broth or on solid agar or by staining the genetic material of mycoplasmas and searching for mycoplasma proteins. However, these methods can take up to a month to deliver results. Most recently, scientists have turned to nucleic acid-based testing using quantitative polymerase chain reaction, qPCR. QPCR measures DNA concentrations using a standard curve based on the concentration of another known gene. While QPCR can deliver results in a day, these results are only a relative estimate of the number of mycoplasmas within a sample. Additionally, because different research groups may use different control genes to generate standard curves, QPCR results for mycoplasma may also be quite variable. In recent years, droplet digital PCR DDPCR technology has emerged as a new solution for determining the absolute concentration of mycoplasma within samples. In DDPCR, there is this droplet generation where one DNA or RNA strain is captured in oil droplet, and then the PCR reaction is done for these droplets. And if there is a template in a droplet, it gives a positive signal, and if there is no template in a droplet, it's a negative signal. When you do two tens of thousands of droplets, you get the distribution between the positive and negative droplets that gives you a quantitative result for the template. So you don't need standard curves as in QPCR. The results are not reliant on reference material or internal standard. In that sense, it's more sensitive and accuracy and precision are really good, even with low copy number targets. Using DDPCR, researchers can even distinguish different mycoplasma species. DDPCR uses a combination of probe-based chemistry and three primers that decrease the likelihood of non-specific DNA amplification compared to qPCR. During DDPCR, uniquely designed probes target segments of the mycoplasma genome that are specific to different mycoplasma species. As the primers amplify this sequence, they degrade the probe, releasing a fluorescent signal. The more mycoplasmas present in the droplet, the stronger the signal. Instead of a relative concentration, DDPCR results indicate the absolute number of mycoplasma genome copies within a sample. 
This helps researchers directly calculate the ratio of mycoplasma genome copies to colony-forming units of mycoplasma. Determining this value tells researchers exactly how many bacterial cells are alive and active within their cell culture population. Biorats, very check DDPCR assay, contains 112 mycoplasma species. The kit is validated by a manufacturer according to requirements of pharmacopoeia standards. In biopharmaceutical industry, we have to follow these pharmacopoeia guidelines. We know that nucleic acid testing is accepted for mycoplasma testing in Europe, UK, US, and Japan. And there are guidelines on how to validate mycoplasma nucleic acid test in European Pharmacopoeia Chapter 2.6.7. They require demonstration to a detection limit of 10 colony forming units per milliliter or lower, and we need to perform a comparability study. They also mentioned that for a commercial kit, manufacturer's validation data can be used. We actually did internal validation study to verify the detection limits given by Biorad, and we were able to confirm that one colony forming unit can be reliably detected by DDPCR assay. While scientists in the biopharmaceutical industry routinely test their samples for mycoplasmas, the practice is less common in academia. Yet, mycoplasmas can easily creep into these samples as well and potentially bias important scientific results. Although not every research group will have access to a DDPCR machine, there are some steps that researchers can take to safeguard their samples. Obviously, you can't require the same level of clean room facilities in academic research as you need in industry. But at least one could do this testing of the cell lines every now and then to monitor the mycoplasmas and sterility. You don't need to do sterility tests. There are these microbial enumeration tests. You can do some plating and see if you get any microbial growth on the plates. And qPCR is a good method to monitor mycoplasmas. Most places have those instrumentations already. Maintaining cell culture integrity and sterility comes with practice. Although most researchers are not keen to add additional steps to already lengthy protocols, periodically checking for potential mycoplasma contamination safeguards cell health and maximizes data accuracy. For biopharmaceuticals, routinely evaluating cell culture populations for mycoplasma contamination is essential to generating safe and effective therapeutics. It starts from the working culture, how people are trained and educated, how to operate. We are proud of our production people and facility. We have been able to keep our site contamination free. and That's awesome. I believe we can keep it that way. We test all the raw materials to avoid contaminating our sites, our facilities. We don't let anything in if there are no certificates on mycoplasma testing done by a vendor. Then we test the materials ourselves. We quality control all the incoming material doesn't feel too hard as it's kind of a built-in feature in biopharmaceutical industry. So that's just something you do every day to take the most stringent requirements and follow the guidelines and your internal operating procedures closely. It's just daily work. I like to think that when we are manufacturing any biopharmaceuticals, you have to keep the standards as high as you would want for the products that you are using yourself as a patient. As scientists continue to make advances in biopharmaceutical development, rapid and efficient contamination testing will become more important, 
In the future, quickly determining the purity and sterility of biopharmaceuticals will ensure the highest quality products are delivered to patients in the fastest time frame. Researchers are continuing to develop new and more effective methods to rapidly and efficiently test samples for potential bacterial contamination. When we talk about cell therapies where a sample from patient is treated and then put back into the same patient, we are talking about really short timelines. We need rapid testing. There's no time to wait for a month for the results. That's why these rapid testing shots as DDPCR offers are really useful. When a patient is waiting for the treatment, you have to be able to test in a short timeline. I believe that nucleic acid-based testing in general becomes more widely used and accepted. I expect that nucleic acid-based testing and also next-generation sequencing should give more footprint on testing of biopharmaceutical industry and pharmaceutical industry in general. There are already general chapters for nucleic acid testing in pharmacopoeia, and I believe that these tests will be adapted more widely when we go forward. Thank you for listening, and a special thank you to this episode's sponsor, BioRad. This episode was produced by the Drug Discovery News Custom Content Team. Interview script and narration by Tiffany Garment, script editing by Nikki Spodge, and song production by Jessica Smart. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Join us next time to keep talking science.